Dave. Matt. Theme of this week's episode is dicks. It sure is. You better believe that that is true. We're talking dicks. Yeah, we absolutely are. Um, This is, we are down to the wire. We are recording this just really a matter of minutes before this episode drops. We have never given you fresher content. Yeah, this is like we're essentially CNN breaking news. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't, like CNN, I'm going to inform you just enough. Yeah. Um, On the way here, I was just kind of, I was stuck in traffic. I was uh, going through whatever is going on in the news. I know I'm not supposed to do that. Stop doing that. I was on the exit ramp. Nothing was moving, whatever. Uh, Apparently, um, the National Enquirer uh, blackmailed Jeff Bezos of Amazon fame. Yes. With uh, dick pics. So dick pics that he sent to someone. To someone that they got a hold of. And And are they out? They are not out, but he ha- he broke the story himself. Okay. I think he is taking his power his power back. He has gone full Adam McLean. He is hashtag post shame. Everyone's doing post shame. Like it's all, all like all everybody in basically how all the Democrats are in Virginia are like I did blackface too, and I'm just going to tell you now before the <laughs> yeah, picture before comes it, out. Yeah, before it comes out. So his blackface is his dick. Yes, yes, which is white. And w- so when all is said and done, by the time this drops, we may have seen Jeff Bezos dick. Oh, okay. Well, and then, and then in, in that case, this will not be such fresh content because yeah. we will all be looking at it while you're listening to this. Will you be looking at it? I don't, I can't even conjure Jeff Bezos's face. Yeah. kind of looks like a dick. Oh, that's right. That's what I'm, yeah. He's a bald, baldman. Yeah. Well, so that's maybe coming. And also, Dicks, folks. also coming mm-hmm. is our guest this week. That's true. Oh, before we get to him, yeah. there's something I want to discuss with you. This week, the video for Ben Platt's oh, first yeah. big single has come out. Oh, yeah. Now, first of all, I love the song. Uh, it's called uh, Bad Habit. It is a very theatrical pop single. Mm-hmm. Feels very much like what Sam Smith is kind of reaching for, but it's right. like, it's kind of a more, it's like a better version of that, I would mm-hmm. say. The video came out this week and it's it's him um, and there are all these pictures of, of Ben Platt, like it, photographs in, a, in, in like a gallery of him, you know, in bed and it's clear somebody else has just climbed out of that bed. It's a bed for two. Uh, or just him like going through his day. And it's clear that the pictures are taken by like some, uh, by a loved one, right. right? And then at the end, like Ben Platt wakes up and he is in a bed for two and the other person is left and he goes into the living room and it's Charlie Carver and Charlie Carver puts the camera up to his eye and takes a picture. So I guess my question is, were we supposed to know Ben Platt was gay all along? Well, you sent this video to me, and yeah. by the way, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But then I fast forwarded to the end because you, when you texted it, you said, "Is he coming out at the end of this?" And I said, "Coming out? Was yeah. he in?" And this again is something I could easily Google and have not. Well, and I won't. have, and, and there's nothing. There's, there's nothing, nothing about. So, I, and 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 truly, if he is not gay or not gay, I don't have any feelings either way. I just I had no. not entertained straightness as an option for that particular person. I had not thought about it one way or the other. Um, he, to me, is still the nerdy guy from the first Pitch Perfect. So to see him oh, as an right. adult sexual object of any kind is is still not a thing that I can I'm get my head around. I'm thinking he's, he's, he's from Ed, Ed, Ed Hansen? No. Dear Edward Evan Hansen. Hansen. Evan yeah. Hansen. Yeah. <laughs> Ed Hansen is my friend's name. Yeah. Um, uh, he's from Dear Evan Hansen, and he played Will's boyfriend on Will and & Grace and right. stuff. So he, he's... 
certainly dipping a toe in pretty gay waters. Yeah. What, what's very strange to me is that, like, it seems like a pretty clear statement for someone who has not made any public de- declaration one way or another. Yeah. And it's not getting any traction at all. Well, maybe after this. Well, maybe, but also maybe not. I, I just it, It's very odd to me because we're still living in a world where if, like— Kevin Jonas wears something sleeveless, uh-huh. it is on every single one of the gay blogs as like a standalone post. Stop the presses. He's got a coffee in his hand. He's leaving training mate. You know, mm-hmm. we, we're seeing some real shoulder definition. What Like that is big. Yeah. Ben Platt is kind of a big name and he's, you know, and he's rising. Like his first pop album is about to come out and he is from the start, apparently, possibly an out gay artist and nobody's talking about it. It's so strange to me. It is very strange. And I wonder if it's that we all just assumed it from the jump. So he never, he just has skipped that step all along. But no no part of it is getting any kind of coverage at all. It's very strange. And Charlie Carver is a teen wolf. I don't know whether that is true or not. Uh, He was in The Boys in the Band. Uh, And they did it on Broadway recently. And he's done, he's got the face of a teen wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that he has a dog-like face. He has a very lovely face, but he has like a very teen dreamy kind he of face. He belongs in that yeah. world, that sort of, let's say, a gay porny world. A little bit. He is a teen wolf. Thank okay, you, well, there you go. Yeah. There you go, folks. Uh, but uh, Bad Habit by Ben Platt is a, uh, is a great song. I really, I can't, I can't get enough of it. The homophilia song of the week. Maybe. <laughs> homophilia radio, folks. Um, yeah, if you got any thoughts, let us know. We're on Twitter, at HomophiliaPod. We've been lax with it, but we, that's our new month's resolution. We're coming back strong. Yes, we are. Um, okay. Our guest this week, Blake Mitchell. Blake Mitchell. Um, see if he came in with a freshly pressed J. Crew kind of, you know, going out shirt. Uh-huh. Uh, a clean white tee underneath. Yep. See if you can identify the moment. Where he takes off the overshirt. <laughs> because I feel, I don't know this for sure, but I feel like from both of us, there was just a quick. <laughs> Dana was for sure squirming in her seat next yeah. to him. But yeah, a good squirm. Something happened. A good squirm. The, the energy did shift in the room. And Blake it Mitchell, of course, is an adult yes. uh, performer. And a really interesting guy. Yeah. Um, uh, a fun interview. Uh, a recent transplant to L.A. And we're happy to have him. Guys, enjoy Blake Mitchell. Folks, we are back with Blake Mitchell. Hey, guys. Welcome. Thank you. We just learned that that we are your first podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I just walked in and I was like, I don't know. I put the headphones on, Uh just the microphone, settle in. Okay. Okay, I'm here. How does it feel so far? So far, so good. So far, so good. We're off to a good start. Okay, you're doing great. Thank you. We also like to let people know that Faye, my dog, snores and farts through most of our interviews. And if you're a seasoned podcast guest, you know that that's just part of the deal. I have a bulldog, so I'm used to the farts. Okay. 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 Well, great. Well, then we're off and running. Yeah. Uh, You are new to the LA area. Yes. Just moved here like December 23rd. Welcome. And it's January 9th, you know, so mm-hmm. not uh, not long, but long enough to experience the traffic like we were talking about. For sure, for sure. What are your first impressions? Um, well, I've been to L.A. several times. I've been coming to L.A. for years. And uh, for a long, long time, I was always of the mindset, it's like, I will never live in L.A. Like, yeah. I just can't do it. Like, it's too much. The people, da, da, da. And the more time I spent here, like, kind of gradually getting into it and getting to know people here, I was like, you know what? It's not so bad. And I spent yeah. some time in New York City, and I spent some time here, and I, 
I decided I was like, I think I like LA better because mm-hmm. I was thinking about moving to like Brooklyn, but I was like, mm, no, LA. Let's go to LA at least first. Yeah, you can live better here and more cheaply. It's still it's like, still very expensive. Probably coming from Kentucky, it's yeah, it's no, like but for example, in Kentucky, I had sixteen hundred square feet, uh-huh. a yard, a garage, you know, like. Um, a corner lot backed up against the park and everything. And guess how much it costs? I don't want to. Oh, God. <laughs> this is going to be very depressing. $1,100. Jesus Christ. Can you believe it? And now I'm looking for like eight, 900 square feet, $3,000. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. It's, insane. yeah. it's not great. It's it's uh, amazing that you're here now because right before the holidays, uh, Dave gave me as a Christmas gift, which I opened on air during the show, mm-hmm. the book. His uh, own way out. His yeah, own way out. My book. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I read like a week Harrison. before. So uh, yeah, so we we're familiar with your story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But well, we'll, we'll we'll get deeper. Yeah, yeah we'll, for sure. we'll get, right. We'll get all the way into yeah. that story. I'm ready for the questions. I, when when I, I saw that you, you told me that you had read the book, I was uh-huh. like, oh geez, you know. So I had to go brush back up myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. So what do you what do you read, or what do you, what's your like leisure time activity? Uh, right now, I have my backpack in my car. I'm reading a book on social psychology uh-huh. and how you can like influence other people's behaviors. So lately, I've been into nonfiction a lot yeah. and reading a lot about psychology, social psychology. I've been reading a few business books and. And there's a couple other books that are like on my radar that uh-huh. I'd like to read also. Uh-huh. Giving yourself uh, an education. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh-huh. I, um, uh, as you obviously probably know from the book, I did not uh, graduate high school properly. Exactly. Uh-huh. We made it, it was a, a bumpy road. Yeah. We yeah. made it a little nicer in the book, actually. And in, oh, in, really? Yeah. What did they leave out? Well, in real life, I was expelled from two high schools my senior year uh-huh. and ended up not graduating at all. And I uh, actually went back and got my GED, which was, like, ten times easier than high school, by the way. Sure, <laughs> like, uh, sure. <laughs> not kidding. Like, they were like, you have to take these practice tests. And I was like, okay. So I took, like, all four of those in the same day. And then they were like, normally people, like, I guess other people who get their GED, you know. And, and this is something I learned was, you know, there are people, like, grown people in their 30s and 40s who take the GED test three or four or five times oh before yeah. they get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's just sad because like, uh, and I feel like I was part of that. Like the education system really does in this country just, just leaves people behind. Right. And it's all, it's like a, it's really is kind of like a factory, you know, cranking them out. And if you don't get cranked out, then you get tossed aside. Yeah. And, uh, it's like totally up to you to like pick yourself up and, and do something about that. Right. Um, I was fortunate enough to be able to to do that and be in a position where I'd had a good enough education previously, uh, having gone to like private school most of my life that I was ready for those tests. But there's other people that are not, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine coming back after 20 years and trying to fill in the little ovals. You know, it it is, it's weird. And especially, you know, now it's all on the computer and um, which didn't yeah, bother see, me. See, I uh, lost already. <laughs> You're done. What? You're done. Yeah. <laughs> now you have to click the little bubbles instead. <laughs> but all right. Um, what was the last movie that you uh, saw? The last movie that I saw, um, like in theaters. Either way, because I, 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 I. Oh gosh. Or or on a laptop. I know uh-huh. millennials consume mm-hmm. entertainment or on a phone yeah, or on a way. plane. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I've been watching a lot of series lately. I haven't been watching okay. a lot of movies. Which? 
Um, I just watched, I just binged uh, Good Girl on Netflix. Have okay. you seen that? That no. new series? You guys got to watch that. What it's is it? I don't know cool. anything about it. Okay, it's about these two women, and or these three women, excuse me, and they're oh, all yeah. friends, and they have these lives, and you know, one of them has a daughter who has uh, cancer, and another one. Um, oh, her like, life is yes. falling apart and or something else, you know, and they're all kind of like barely keeping it together and they all need a big chunk of money really fast. Uh-huh. So basically like the, the big explosion at the beginning that kind of like jumps you into it is uh, they rob a grocery store together. The three of these three like middle, middle class women, you know, and they yeah. just rob this grocery store and um, they get kind of, they get kind of addicted to it. You know yeah. what I mean? They get kind of addicted to the, like the badassery. And uh, it, it's a really, really fun series. It gets crazier and crazier. Uh, another series that I really, really loved that I watched both seasons of as, as soon as they came out was Goliath on uh, Amazon okay. Prime with Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, yeah. Super good. He plays this like ho- uh, former hotshot lawyer in here in Los Angeles. And um, that one gets real, real crazy. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a couple other Amazon series. What's it called? Uh, the... The new Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love that. John Krasinski. John Krasinski. Krasinski. Beefy as hell. Turned from a nerd into an action star. Yeah. His body makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. I resent him. Yeah. Yeah. Frankly. That's why I'm trying trying to get there. I'm trying to get there. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Trying to like replace. I'm trying to steal Chris Evans' job. Okay. You know what I mean? Very good. What did you grow up watching? What was your like? Okay, what so like the cartoon shows that were popular when I was a kid was yeah. like Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Does anybody, do you guys remember that? I'm familiar with Ed, it. Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Insane, I know that it exists. Insane show. When I, I went back and watched an, an episode recently, and I was like, I watched this growing up. And yeah. then Ren and Stimpy, do you remember? Sure, of course. Now, see, that was a thing I watched in college. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. You know? Uh-huh. Okay. I can't imagine a young child watching that. You know, it was the tail end of Brendan Stimpy. It was okay. like at the end. But I remember there was some things in there that I, I, again, I went back and watched and I was like, dang, I watched this as a kid? And yeah. then there was one that was on the younger end of, of my cartoon watching days and, and kid television was uh, uh, Codename Kids Next Door which is a Cartoon Network show uh-huh. that they've remade. And, and Teen Titans, Teen Titans, the uh-huh. original cartoon show is super cool. Okay. As a kid, yeah. All right. I, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm going to sound old. Well, I am old. Um, cartoons were on, on Saturday mornings when yep. we yeah. were children. That's and then right. occasional weekday afternoons, you'd get a Bugs Bunny. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden there was an explosion. And mm-hmm. then there were like a billion full networks just devoted Two cartoons. cartoons, yeah. But wasn't uh, after school cartoon? Wasn't that also part of your that, life? Ducktales and I feel like what no, exploded was, when I was a kid. Yeah, that That's, was after me. Yeah, Ducktales was after you. It was when I was. Again, you. It was when I was in college. Ducktales. I watched Ducktales. Well, maybe bit. that was the a reboot of Ducktales. <laughs> yeah, it could have been. Yeah. Because you're, what, 23? 24. I'll 24. be 25 this year. Okay. Wow. Okay. I'm getting up there, too. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got to take my vitamins. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> Stay young. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, how did the book come about? Uh, the book. How did the book come about? Okay. Um, so um, I have this fan who uh, – uh, she's. I've met, I found her on Twitter, and uh, she named herself Blake Girl. To get my attention, uh-huh. she's you know this girl, and um, she knew she was she grew up with this other friend of hers, uh, Taylor Saracen, and um, Taylor lives in Phoenix, and um, 
we were in Phoenix for the Phoenix Forum, which is an adult entertainment um, convention yeah. of sorts, basically. And uh, they met with her when she was there. She explained she wanted to do this whole book series and that she wanted it to start with me. And um, so they put they hired her and then put me in contact with her. And then she was like, at first she was like, so she basically asked me, she was like, was your life interesting? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Did anything happen to your life? And I was like, yeah, a couple things, a few couple things. And so I just started like, basically, we would just sit on FaceTime at night and talk for hours. And I just told her my story and she would just sit there and like, you know, we'd have to break it up into chunks because some of it was like too much for her. She right. was like, oh my God. And then she would write chapters and send them to me. And I'd be like, eh, it didn't really quite happen like this or like... Yeah. Maybe we'd tweak something here or there, you know? Okay. It's a fun read. I mean, I burned through it over it's the not, it's not. It's not too long, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, I mean, one of the most interesting parts is is um, how it gets into your love life, which we'll get into more mm-hmm. after the break, but that we got a little bit of, like, you know, the, 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 the conflicts that are inherent when one – person is a yeah. porn performer and the other person is not and the you know the the jealousy that can yeah. ensue yeah um and uh that that that's like the, I, I mean not to spoil anything for the listeners but no, no, um no. that's a that's an important part of your story yeah. it is it was it was definitely one of the more challenging parts of my life um was kind of like being at at that time so in love with this person who just could not comprehend what I was doing the same way that I could and can, you know? And that's something that I've just learned. Is there seems to be a f- kind of a fundamental difference person to person if they haven't been in the industry on whether or not they can seem to, like, wrap their head around the concept of, like, I have sex with these people on camera for my job, uh-huh. but... While I, you know, it's like, it's sex and it's porn. So do I enjoy it is always a big question with, mm-hmm. with partners and stuff. And it's like, well, if I didn't, would my porn be any good? Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, you, you, you kind of like face with that and um, it's like, yeah, I enjoy it. You know, do I enjoy every minute of every single scene? No. You know what I mean? Like right. there's times when it's annoying or when I'm just genuinely tired or just like, mm. you know what I mean? Like, oh, I just don't want to do this today, you know? Yeah. And so it's just like any job, you know? And there's other days I come in and super motivated. Let's get this done. I want this to be really good. And, you know, more of my creative side will come out. Yeah. And so to me, it's always just been uh, just like a job. You right. know what I mean? You know, go into the office, do my work, go home. Exactly. You know, an interesting part of the book for me was that you are kind of in this in-between you know, your high school was, you know, eight, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, it wasn't unheard of for someone to be out in high school at the time. Now it's probably a little more common. In our day, it was very yeah. uncommon. Um, you were sort of out-ed, mm-hmm. but you were, you know, you had oh, to definitely. navigate That's sort of high out, school. <laughs> yeah. You had to navigate high school as an out bisexual mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. Um, which is not easy. And you don't often see that story. Or if you do, it's this kind of Love, Simon, idealized sort of right. thing where the community rallies together or whatever. Yeah. Yours was very in-between. It, it um, you know, uh, 
my freshman year of high school, I went in, it was the beginning of 2009. So yeah, it was about 10, 10 years ago, I guess. Wow. Oof. Hey, yeah. I hate that you hit me with that. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. We, we get into the difficult truths here on this show. 10 years since the start of high school for yeah. me. I can, I can still say yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I grew up in a town that at the time when I was living there, it's, it's grown quite a bit since then. But when I was growing up there, it was still less than 10,000 people. And um, the, the kid in the story who outs me, who's a real person, um, was the only out gay kid at the high school yeah. at that time. Right. In my yeah. sophomore year, which would have been 2010. The only. Yeah. In this small Kentucky town. You yeah. know what I mean? And this is this kid who, the year before I had gotten there, this was my sophomore year, his freshman year, there was one other kid who was also there who was a senior, but obviously he had left. So at one point there had been two, right? Right. And they got, you know, they would get water bottles thrown at them and stuff thrown at them and like it was really hard and I saw that and I heard about that and I knew that that was the reality. And a big part of my brain at the time was like, I don't really want to come out till college. That was kind of my plan. I didn't really want, I was, I just, I had other things that I wanted to like focus on besides exploring that part of me. Like I I knew that that was part of me and I knew that that's who I was and I loved and accepted myself for that, but I wasn't ready to field all the questions, especially about bisexuality. I wasn't like, quote unquote, an expert like I might be today or like, you know, pretty knowledgeable. So I was still figuring it out too. I can't answer your questions. I I don't have the answer yet, you know? Um, So there was, it was a huge challenge uh, being outed and, and uh, how did that, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm just trying to remember, you say in the book, I think that he outed you because you rejected his advances, is uh, that right? Not, not, no? I, not, I wouldn't say rejected his advances exactly. Uh, it was more like, you know, he was the first openly gay person I had ever met. Right. Period. Stop. Ever. Yeah. And so I had questions. You know what I mean? He'd been out longer than me. And at the time, he was the only person that I could talk to that had any clue. So... That's exactly what I did. I would talk to him and I, I would ask him questions and we were getting to know each other and we would get close and like we did fool around and we did mess around and to tell you the truth, probably I did lead him on, you know what I mean? And I definitely could have done better in that department, but I was 15 years old, you know, uh-huh. didn't, hadn't quite learned exactly how to treat people yet, you know, still figuring that out. And uh, I didn't want to like date him. I didn't want to do that yet you know Uh i just wanted i just wanted to go through high school i wanted to be an athlete and i wanted to to accomplish certain things in in my high school career and i knew that being in an openly gay relationship in my small town of nine thousand was not going to enable me to complete those things you know and i essentially i was right yeah you know yeah but because being outed did send you sort of like send your life into a tailspin. Oh, totally. But then that tailspin also is what led you to the life that you have now. Right. I was, it, it, it's funny it's, to me that you like, uh, well, or at least that's the way it's presented. No, in the I, book, I think about but, that all the time. <laughs> and, and, um, that it's funny to me that you, um, really like good girls because they also were in a moment of, like a, a low point where yeah. they were like, I need to make a big change and I need to make a, 
bunch of money. Right. What are my options? And they chose to rob a bank and you took a different path that yeah. is, you know, legal and has also been really great for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it was funny. Um, you know, the book goes right up to the point that I get on the plane for the first time to go to, to San Diego for the first time back in November 2014. And, you know, if you had told me when I turned 18, the beginning of my senior year, that a year and some change later, I'd be getting on a plane to go to California to film porn. There's no way I would have believed it. You know what I mean? I just yeah. couldn't, I wouldn't have been able to comprehend that yet. You know what I mean? Um, and sure enough, a year or almost two years later, uh, there I was, you yeah. know, and so many things happened and didn't happen that led to that path. You know what I mean? I, I've learned that the journey is not all about the choices that you make, but the choices that are presented to you. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I feel like I did well with the choices that were presented to me after the poor choices that I did make that caused me to go down that path. You know what I mean? Yeah. Was there a model of bisexuality for you growing up? Hmm. No. So there's gay and straight. But yeah. still to this day, there yeah. you know, bisexuality is not as visible. Yeah, no. Uh, I can only think of one actress right now, um, and I'd, I'd have to like look up her name. I'm embarrassed. Um, she's on the, the show uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh -huh. um, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're talking about. Yeah, and she, she's out as bisexual, right? Yeah. And I did a panel on bisexuality in San Diego, 2016 or 17 maybe, and um, uh, one of the questions on that panel was, is it, easier for a woman to be bisexual than it is for a man to be bisexual. And there was a, uh, a sex professor from like USC or something who was on the panel too. And I was, and they asked me the question and I'd like deferred to her. I was like, I feel like you should answer this because yeah, I yeah. might have, I might have bias. Right. And, uh, she said in her studies, it was found that basically it is more acceptable for a woman to be bisexual because right. of the way that we as a society sexualize women you know right. what I mean? Right. You know, it's it's okay. It's more okay for a woman to be lesbian than a man to be gay. So it would obviously track that it's more okay for a woman to be bisexual than a man. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And yeah, no, like no bar is going to cheer for like two boys kissing. You know what I mean? Not, well, like, right. I mean, right. I, there's some, but yeah. you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's, it's, it's like, it's a, a fetish for some straight men right. to have women kiss one another. Right. It does not go the other exactly. direction it at doesn't. all. And it is often, you know, the, the cliche is that it's, you know, it's a station on the way yeah. towards gayness. Exactly. You know? That's true. And it's interesting that, way that you, you're the the one model that you're talking about, this uh, actor from Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a woman. Mm -hmm. but because the, the, the out by men are truly hard to come by. I mean, yeah. you know, are, are, in terms of visibility. Yeah. And I feel like, I, I feel like, you know, I, I do believe that sexuality is a spectrum and I do think that it can change for people. I think I've, I've seen that so many times in my life. You know, I know plenty of older gay men who, you know, not just acted straight and lived a straight life and had kids and a wife, but they loved that woman and had those, the, that family and, and everything like that. And then later in life discover that they're gay. You know what I mean? I don't necessarily believe that that means that that man was gay the entire time. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, was he bisexual the entire time? I don't know. That's up to him. 
you know, but I think that might actually be the answer for more people if bisexuality were more accepted, yeah. you know, not only in our society, but within our own community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that, the, yeah, the stigma that still exists, especially for bi men, mm-hmm. it, you know, within gay communities of gay men is crazy. It is. It's because everybody thinks of bisexuality. If you're a male is just a stepping stone to coming out as yeah. fully gay yeah. because that's what so many gay men used to do. Yeah. Yeah. I did it. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's understandable in a, in a way because I think gay men have, are, are are in a very different place in terms of visibility, but struggle right. for that for so long that it's like, we want to claim whoever we can claim, yeah. you know? And, um, and so I think that's part of that Absolutely. impulse yeah. to be like, absolutely, you know, um, let's take a quick break. Yeah. No problem. We'll be right back with Blake Mitchell. All right. You know what I'm saying? Um, Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things. Let's talk about sex, Dave. Oh, from Salt and Pepper. And not just sex. Um, uh, Lawyers, doctors, no one was too great for her to get with or even mess mess with. with. The press, she said, was next on her list. And uh, believe me, you, it's as good as true. There ain't a man alive that she couldn't get next to. She had it all in the bag. So she should have been glad. But she was mad and sad and feeling feeling bad. bad. Thinking about the things that she never had. I don't remember the rest of the lyrics. But let's talk about sex anyway. And not just sex, but good sex. My God, do you remember the days when you were just ready to go at a moment's notice? Oh, barely. But now, (laughs) the good news is you can increase your performance and get extra confidence in bed with BlueChew.com. Well, what's that, Matt? BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So uh, I guess I could just take that, like, anytime, day or night? Anytime. Since it's chewable, it works up to twice as fast as a pill because it's chewable. So I can be ready anytime an opportunity arises. And by the way, this is not just for guys with dysfunction. Sure. It's for any... And I'm not implying that you have dysfunction, Dave. No, and it would be fine if you did. But... It's for any guy who wants to enhance their performance in the bedroom. And like we always say, that's all guys. That's true. Uh, Blue Chew is prescribed online, and it ships straight to your door in a discreet package. No one will be the wiser. There's no in-person doctor's visit. There's no waiting in the pharmacy. Best of all, no more awkwardness. That's right. Blue Chew is made in the USA and sends ships direct. It's cheaper than a pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code HOMO. That's just, right. Just pay $5 in shipping. Mm-hmm. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com, promo code HOMO, to try it free. Blue Chew, the better, cheaper, faster choice. Express yourself. It's a different song. Hey, what's in the perfume that you wear every day, Matt? I don't even think about it, to be honest. That's probably true. Well, guess what? Now, Fleur. Makes stunning, non-toxic perfumes and lists all their ingredients online so you get a good scent made with clean ingredients. That's right. For luxurious perfume that's all about good, clean, fun, trifler. That's P-H-L-U-R. Yep. We've used them. I enjoy them. I'm wearing them right now. Olmstead and Vaux is my favorite. It's Mine a woodsy scent. too. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. Fleur's world-class perfumers are scent artists. And these perfumes are their masterworks. And they have just introduced body wash and body lotion in the same sense, so you can smell amazing all day long. You smell amazing right now, Dave. Thank you so much. And so That's do I. Olmstead and Vaux. 
That's right. That's right. Go to Fleur.com today. Use promo code HOMO to get 20% off your first custom Fleur sample set. Pick three cents to try and get credit towards a full-size bottle of your favorite. And that's promo code HOMO at Fleur.com to get your first three Fleur fragrance samples at 20% off. P-H-L-U-R dot com. And we're back with Blake Mitchell. All right, sweet. That was Do you awesome. feel relaxed? I feel wonderful. That was excellent. Everything I needed. I just had to stand up, have a little stretch. It was uh-huh. perfect. Yeah. Yep. A pause that refreshes. Um, so, Blake, you recently uh, did a video where you uh, uh, where you said that you were lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That 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 was. You do like, some YouTubes. That was a, a big YouTube video. Yeah. Ended up getting an article on the Daily Mail. Uh huh. <laughs> that was. It was interesting. That was that was an interesting time. Our social media kind of really blew up because of that video. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's an odd one. You wake up and you're in, you're in a UK tabloid. Yeah. Yeah. Or UK a, tabloid. A, a, a right wing tabloid. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how was that experience? Uh, it was funny. The Daily Mail article, by the way, like whoever wrote that didn't do any work at all because he no. basically just transcribed what I said in the video yeah, almost they, exactly. That's which what I they do. Yeah. They found are interesting because they they kind of just presented it. With without their own bias, but you can still feel their bias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can feel that angry right yeah. wing edge. Well, you can read the comment section, which I yes. took a a small dive into, which was a huge mistake. Oh, never read the comments. Not on, ever, not, ever. especially not on Daily Mail, and no, especially and so everywhere. Never, that was, um, you know, the the response to that was extremely polarized. Yeah, like probably one of the most polarizing things I've ever done, maybe. Yeah. And there was a lot of people who were like. Oh yeah, like uh, you know, who supported it and understood it, and yet again, there's there just seems to be this fundamental difference between people who can wrap their head around it and people who can't, you know. And the people who can wrap their head around it say, "Oh yeah, that makes total sense," and the other people were like, "Just quit porn." Well, right. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, I yeah. Seen cool. the video. What are what what are you saying in it? Uh, basically, in the video, I was talking about the difficulties. Uh, it's called "I'm Lonely," um, but uh, the video is really, um, you know, can you date a porn star? You know what I mean? And I basically wanted in the video to raise the questions to the audience uh, so that they could ask themselves, could I date a porn star? Could you? Could you? You know what I mean? And and being really honest and upfront about the challenges that f- come with this job. You know what I mean? The pros and the cons. And of course, like, yeah, you're going to if, – if, if you're dating a porn star and you have social media and you follow – your partner who's a porn star, you're going to see porn. Like, you know what I mean? That's yeah. just, that's the job, right? Like, you know, uh, if, if I was dating you and I followed you, I'm sure I'd see stuff all about your podcast and mm-hmm. what you're doing. You know, right. it, that's, right. that's just the nature of it. Right. And so you can either not have social media, which is relatively uncommon these days for yeah. somebody to just completely not have it or not engage with your partner on social media at all which is also relatively uncommon and could also be like an obstacle in a relationship if that sure. ended up like happening. So, yeah. so I, I bring that up to ask, are you lonely now? I am. Are you lonesome lonely. tonight? No, hmm. I am currently now have a boyfriend uh-huh. uh, dating for almost six months. It's funny. I made that video and then like probably three or four weeks after that video was released uh, was when I met 
the boy who became my boyfriend. Uh-huh. So how did you meet? Uh, Instagram. Come on, <laughs> great love really? No, no kidding. I found him on my explore page. Uh, you know, other people that I know were liking his pictures, of course, and uh, I was like, oh my gosh, like he's just stunning, beautiful, like oh my god. And I, to be honest, I thought he was underage. I was like, oh my god, like. Chris Hansen's about to pop out and be like, what did you ever see right over there? Uh-huh. You know it? uh-huh. It's like about to be the pilot episode for To Catch a Predator 2. But, uh, you know, so we ended up meeting. I made it meet me at a place where they checked IDs before he came in. And then I checked his ID again because I was just like, and it turns out he's older than me. Oh. Alexander, I was shocked. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and let me lock this down. You're a, <laughs> you're a cosmetologist. Let's, let's lock this down. Help me with the skin care. Help me with this hair. Let's get it all. Uh-huh. Up tight. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, this was all in Kentucky. No, no, no. He lives in Arizona. He lives in in Phoenix. Oh. So the reason we got to meet actually is because of the book. Really? Um, yeah, because the author is from Arizona, and so we had a book signing in Phoenix and a book signing in Tucson. So when we stayed in Phoenix, she was like, "Oh, oh I'll I'll have the the studio put you up at this one hotel that's like really cute, like where all the young people are partying and stuff." And Man, they were partying. It was a blast. Uh, huge bar tab. I ended up running up at this place called Hotel Adeline. And it turns out that's where he hangs out quite a bit. Uh-huh. And so he came to their pool party. They're like 21-plus pool party, and that's where we where we met there in Phoenix, Arizona. Very nice. Yeah, so it's still timing. kind of a long-distance thing. Um, a shorter it, distance. It, now it's shorter distance. Um, he just went back to, to Phoenix after visiting here for like a week or so uh, after I went there to visit his family. So we've seen each other every month that we've been, so of the six months that we've like, we've seen each other every single month, at least for about a week. Uh-huh. And, um, and then uh, next week we're going to be signing on an apartment wow. and then we'll be here, be here. Wow. Nice. So yeah. he's making the move. We're making it. It's the move is made. Wow. And, and congratulations. So, yes, you. congratulations. And obviously he is okay with dating a porn star. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, to tell you the truth, he's kind of one himself in a way. Uh, have you uh, all heard of the platform OnlyFans? I've heard yes. of it, but I don't understand what it is. Have you heard of it? No? Okay. So OnlyFans is a platform uh, where people can sell a subscription service to see um, – private videos by any creator. So it was originally intended to be kind of like a a competitor to to Patreon Uh and um, a place where you could put content that, you know, because the YouTube ad revenue like sucks, right? Unless you have 10 million subscribers or something, you know? Uh, So it was originally intended as another sort of Patreon, but then they allowed adult content, and so as a result, and Vimeo was another place that they were competing with, stopped allowing adult content. So all those people moved to OnlyFans, and now it's pretty much, I'm pretty sure, exclusively adult content. Uh-huh. And um, so uh, he was already running one, and so we just do videos on there together. So oh. yeah, so he doesn't film for any like studios or anything. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But, but he might now that he's going to be living here. You know, who knows? Who knows? I don't want to give anything away. But, oh, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> wow. Breaking news on homophilia. <laughs> so let's talk through your relationship history. Yeah, okay. What was like your first significant romantic relationship? Oh, well, right around in the book when I was getting outed, uh, when I was, uh, when I was, I can't remember what his name is in the book. I remember their real names, of course. Yeah, so sure, the names yeah. in the book, like, I have a little trouble, like, associating with. But the boy in the book who outed me, 
um, you know, it's kind of involved with him. And then the reason I ended up not being involved with him is because I started dating this girl who is the girl in the book. Mm-hmm. So and she's so Claire she, in the book, right? Yeah, Claire. Yeah. She was my very first uh, partner of any kind, yeah. you know, first girlfriend. And um, we dated for like six months, you know what I mean? Which <laughs> felt like an eternity then, you know, sure. it's like most of the school year. And then uh, she broke up with me because I wouldn't quit smoking pot. Yeah. And her dad didn't like that. Her dad didn't like me at all. Her dad no. still hates me. But <laughs> Are you still in touch with her? Uh, we actually dated again when I was living in Kentucky part really? of 2017 mm. into 2018. Yeah. So I moved back to uh, Kentucky from Washington State May 2017. And uh, we started dating again in like July of that year. And uh, that was a relationship I kept very private um, just because she had two kids already of her own in the time wow. that, like, I had left high school and gone and created this whole life, you know, and, and left Kentucky and then came back. She'd had two kids, like many people that I know from high school now, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I'm sure, you guys even more, you know. Yeah. And they just start churning them out, it seems. But so she already had two kids. So I, I just didn't – I just knew from previous experiences that – um putting her in the public light in any way would be uh, even potentially dangerous. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or like w- would compromise her kids' uh, privacy. And they weren't my kids so that I didn't feel like that was my choice to make. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? And so I wanted kind of like keep her very private. It wasn't because I was – actually, maybe it was a little bit because of the way that I assumed and, and kind of knew that the, the community would respond to me dating a girl, especially openly. Right. And you were already doing – Porn by then, right? Oh, oh, I've been this I was was d- deep well in it. into yeah, it. Yeah, deep in it. And how did she feel? Uh, sh- you know, and that was one of the reasons we ended up breaking up. There was a, multiple, multiple reasons we ended up breaking up. Um, she ended up, because, uh, you know, like I said, she'd had already two kids. She ended up getting pregnant. And uh, so we were pregnant. And then she had a miscarriage. And uh, that was, like, really, really hard. And for a while after that, I kind of just, uh, I, I took every opportunity every job every anything just to get out of town you know what i mean just kind of had to get away for a little while and when i came back i was like you know what's going on with this and she'd taken that time to think as well and she was like you know i thought i could handle the job but i just don't think i can you know what i mean so the culmination of those events uh led to that relationship ending which is a little sad but you know uh, say love Yeah. Were you ready to be a parent? A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I wasn't like, I was always, my dad was always kind of like a shitty dad. Um, sorry, dad, but, uh, he just always kind of was. And, uh, so I was always afraid, um, uh, me and my brother were both always afraid that we would be just naturally terrible at it. And, uh, when I was with her and of course her kids were living with us half the time, the other time, half they were with their father. I, I loved it. I was a natural at it. I was, you know, I want to say I was necessarily like better than her at it, but there was, you know. But you do. I yeah, mean, there was there was there was times that I could get him to stop crying and she couldn't. You know right. what I mean? When I could get him to bed and she couldn't, and and I realized in that moment that I was like, oh shit! Not only like am I good at this, I I kind of feel like I was made to do this. Like yeah. you know, I feel really good at this, and uh, so it actually led me to the decision now. Now that I'm in LA, and once I once I uh, stop filming porn, uh, been saving up the money and, uh, I'm just going to have a kid by myself. Yeah. I'm going to pay, you know, use my sperm, obviously pay for some eggs 
pay for a surrogate. Uh -huh. Just do the single dad thing to tell you the truth. Really? You know? Because You're I've ready. seen too many times, of course, the custody battle right. and everything like that and the effect that that has on the kids and the effect that that has on the parents. You know what I mean? So I'd rather just be like me and the, and the Suro if they want to be involved, as involved as they want to be. Yeah. But yeah, probably another like two years it'll take me because – do you know how expensive it is to have it a Soro baby? Mm -hmm. About $140,000. So, yeah. Is boyfriend on board with having yeah, kids? Yeah, yeah. He wants to have uh, a kid also. So, you know, we wanted to, like, think realistically about it. So um, we'll probably have kids, like, individually. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if, if we end up deciding to get married, then we'll get married and we'd adopt each other's kids. Right. But if it obviously doesn't end up working out, then we don't have to deal with that custody battle the right. same way. It's a very like modern family kind sure. of solution. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. What are, um, in what way do you feel like you were not parented well or fathered well? Um, well, to tell you the truth, I like the first like interactions I have with my, with my father, I was thinking I was like, that I can like actively really remember seeing him on like a day to day basis. That's probably like 14 years old. Really? Before that, it was all like sporadic. Like one time he came back from Japan and he brought us these Pokemon cards. And this is really cool. I remember this really well. These Pokemon cards that hadn't come out in America yet. And uh, this is right before one of the, you know, Pokemon was huge as, as a kid. And it's right before one of the new games came out. And uh, this Pokemon, Sudowoodoo, who hadn't debuted yet, he mm -hmm. got us the limited edition Japanese trading cards. And we were the cool kids at school for about mm -hmm. a week or so. That was really cool. But, uh, you know, other than that, it was, it was a couple times here or there. And, uh, you know, one time he came to the door and, like, came and knocked and my older brother answered. I, I guess, uh, I don't know where I was, but uh, didn't even recognize him. I was wow, like, yeah. Who's, who are you? And my dad was like, I'm your dad. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and then I, like a couple years after that is when he like really came back. Cause I think it just kind of hit in. It's like yeah. my kids, you know, if they don't, if they don't see you, they don't know who you are. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And uh, so my parents were on their way to being divorced and then found out they were pregnant with me. And then stay together for like a year and a half after I was born and they got divorced. Okay. So. It sounds like you have an okay relationship with both of them now. Um, you know, my father, like we're not getting along at this very moment, but uh, it's always been like that. You know, he's mad at me for something. He's, you know, we're feuding about this or that or whatever. And, uh, but overall, you know, with him, I, I keep it very, uh, very, uh, very friendly. You know what I mean? I would, I would say we're closer to like, you know, I wouldn't, I, yeah, I would say we're friends. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> really. Okay. That's a good place to land. Yeah. I mean, land given that, you right. know, you might not have a relationship with him at all. Yeah. You know, you know, and there's other people who have, you know, at least, you know, I'd rather have had a father that like wasn't there than a father that was there and was like abusive, you know what I mean? Yeah. In any sort of like direct way. So in a way I feel like lucky because I know other kids that got way worse father situations than me. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find that that left a void? Like, were you trying to... Oh, I've definitely had many, many father figures in my yeah. life. You know what I mean? And now, I, you know, having had some therapy and stuff and realized that I was doing that, now I kind of, like, pick and choose them, uh, like, myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, you know, and now I call them mentors or whatever, right? Sure. <laughs> you know, but, yeah, uh, yeah as a kid, I, I remember... I have a list of people in my head right now who saw that I like needed help, needed guidance and, and did what they could, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, a father figure or a mentor, you know, they're, they're not your father, right? So they can't really tell you what to do in a lot of cases. So 
And who are the mentor figures in your life now? Uh, right now I have uh, my, one of my friends, uh, David, who lives here in L.A. Uh, he does marketing and he's, uh, he's helping me with the move out here. He's going to help me get into an acting school and some things like that. So he's, he's been a really good mentor. He knows a lot about the adult business and has worked in it for 20 years. And uh, he, he saw a lot of potential in me and I saw a lot of potential in like, what we could do together. And uh, uh, he's been really good really good mentor. I have a couple of mentors back in Kentucky. Uh, one of my friends name is Kevin. Uh, he works at the, the diner that's mentioned in the book. Mm-hmm. He worked there when in the original time that I worked there. Um, he's, he actually is like the most like my father, they're like the same age. And, uh, he's just like way nicer actually. <laughs> like, he's, yeah. They're both hippies and they're both like pot smoking hippies, but he's like a nicer version somehow. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> So what is the the plan for the next five years? You're taking oh, yeah. acting classes. What do you uh... – There's the big one, right? Okay. Uh, I want to win an Oscar. Okay. You know? Seriously, I do. Yeah, all right. And uh, uh, not exactly sure how I'm going to get there or what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? I don't have like the perfect role in my head that I'm going to win it for or whatever, you know. But uh, that that's my goal is to be be a successful actor for the next five years, for the next lifetime, right? But – uh, how am I going to get there? That's a, that's the real question, right? Yeah. Uh, like I said, I want to get into an acting school. Um, I did win the drama award in eighth grade. Just wanted hey. to let you guys know. So nicely uh, done. What, uh, what was your piece? What was your? What <laughs> uh, that was your one was just. Um, uh, the, I went to a private school most of my life, and we got to choose our art. And it was either art, art, you know, like drawing and painting, uh-huh. music, or drama. And I picked drama every chance because I was n- never any good at drawing, and I. Just in, I just don't read music very well, you know. I can do music okay, but I'm not not a musician. Right. So I just always chose acting, and and uh, she, my acting teacher in middle school, was actually one of my mentors too. It's very sad because she ended up uh, being diagnosed with cancer and passing away a couple of years later. It was like so. I remember one day, like we became friends on Facebook, and she was posting her like GoFundMe to help yeah. her fund her, wow. can- and I was like, whoa, like it's like a mother figure, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Someone who like taught me and. Um, you know, in a way to like recognize what I had like worked for those three years of middle school or whatever gave me that award. Uh, it was weird to see her like deteriorate on social media too, yeah. no yeah. doubt. Cause she'd like moved away. It was it's such a weird like connection, but disconnection at the same time. So, so yeah, so I want to get into acting school and, and, uh, get into the screen actors guild yeah. and, uh, you know, do that whole thing. Yeah. So do right. do you view, porn now the way you would view like waiting tables or a temp job or does it go hand in hand with the acting career you know um i i you know it's it's definitely uh light acting but there's there's definitely acting involved and i've taken on some roles that are more story heavy in porn already and uh so it's more than just a stepping stone for sure Mm -hmm. because it's taught me how to be in front of the camera, how to be in front of a mic and just be, be able to be comfortable on stages and talking to people or uh, commanding an audience, you know what I mean? And, and those things. So I feel like in a way I already have a jump on other people who have no experience doing those things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there, there used to be such a stigma attached to it that it became, that it was like a, a an obstacle that, people with acting aspirations oh, couldn't get over. An and I, yeah. And I, I, I get that it's still there, but I do think like in, 
in the public awareness, like we're in a different headspace. Mm-hmm. It's true. And it would be cool to see someone break out in a way that we haven't really seen, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's right. Blake Mitchell. Somebody's going to push through. It's bound yeah. to happen. And that is the only way for it to happen is just to pretend that it's not there exactly. and power through. Yeah. Or, Get you know, and I, I also think like, you know, I never want to be uh, ashamed of it. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, it's like, I, I can't take it back. It's not like the days of the seventies with like Sylvester Stallone and, and he did porn in his early career. Yeah. And nobody talks about it for a lot of reasons. And, and a lot of that is because, you know, it, it was created in a time in the seventies where, you know, once you made it, you could buy back that content right, from right. whoever. Right. And, and now there's, you know, to find the Sylvester Stallone porno is like a challenge, right? It's like an internet treasure. Have you way. found it? Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. It was in stills. Well, yeah, it's straight porn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, you know, um, Good day. So I've seen, Dana, would you like to? Ooh, I mean, I I'm sure the stills. I don't know if Dana can, if you can, can Google that on her. <laughs> if you can oh, find it. With but yeah, so so he, you know, but in now in today's day and age, you know, for one, it's not just like, oh, let's turn on a camera and film some sex, uh, like it was in the 70s and, the, you know, the golden age and stuff. Um, nowadays, it's it's much more of a production, so. Sure. Yeah, the uh, audience expects more. Right. Well, they take like, you know, 100 to 200 photos for a scene. You know, 30 of them might get released or whatever, but it's like a regular photo shoot for every scene and the video, you know I mean? So, and I've, I've filmed 60 plus scenes, 64 scenes in my career so far in four years. So, it, yeah. it, it you know... Um, it's not like they're going anywhere, right, you know what right, I mean? Right, they're yeah. going to be there. And yeah. so if, if uh, you know, if Universal wanted wanted me for a picture or something, that's something that they're going to have to, they're, I can't make them, you know what I mean? I can't make anybody, I can't make Hollywood, but they're going to have to uh, basically take that risk, you know what I mean? And, and I think the big question is, um, to me, you know, I, I've always been taught visualize success, right? And so to me, it's not like if I'm going to break out and if they're going to overlook it and if I can get a big role despite it, right? It's who's going to be the one who's willing to take that risk, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I think the person who's willing to take the risk will be the person who gets the payoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the in the end, uh, you know, the talent rises to the top of all sorts. So. I'm rooting for Blake Mitchell. Thank you. We Thank all you. are. You know? He's homophilia approved. That's right. Sweet. Blake, I know I've made it. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for Welcome so much for to our me. city. This is amazing. It's a beautiful, beautiful city. I was driving here. I saw the Hollywood sign. I was like, and I just got this, you ever just get this vibe, you know, in it? And yeah. I just started getting my vibe and I was listening to music, how my window rolled down and like, yeah, this is it. This mm-hmm. is where I'm supposed to be. That's right. Mm-hmm. What are we listening to? As we see the whole uh, I was time. I've been listening to uh, to Black a lot. Um, it's it's spelled the number six L A C K. I was listening to his debut album. Um, I've been going. I've been listening to music in like a, a kind of an old school way. Remember when you used to get a CD and you put it in the CD player in your car and you just listen to it all the way through? Yeah. So I've been listening to albums like that. So instead of cherry picking the singles. Mm-hmm. and playing this mix of all different artists mm-hmm. it's like well let's see what the whole album's like so i've been listening to the album you know turning off shuffle from beginning to end yeah and you know i think you get a much better feel for what the artist was trying to create with the album you know what i mean yeah before the album dies get right. it and listen to it the get way the that whole it was album, intended you know to I mean? be listened to for god's sake uh, listen to black under the hollywood sign for the full blake mitchell experience it's listener sure with the window down with the window down uh blake thank you so much thank you so much for having me 
crazy one of those lobby. rare guys that actually like appeals to like gay men and straight women but then like so many different like um types like he has like the nerd glasses but he mm -hmm. has like some scruff but he kind of has like a baby face but he mm -hmm. kind of is like chiseled but he's like ripped but he's not like too ripped where it's like gross yeah and then he has like a big peen peen yeah so you're like I would just we lips. should be recording this <laughs> review are you recording ryan it can be bonus material at the end. Can this just be our outro? It can be bonus material at the end if you've really listened hard. Guys, uh, that was Dana's uh, review of Blake Mitchell and his appeal. Yeah. Oh, he's all, he's a true, I don't even know, a true, like, every man for every yeah. person. We've if you're never a gay described man, him straight, as an every man. Well, not yeah. every man, every type. I don't yeah. really know. It's not like type, but ah, I can't even. He's an equal opportunity <laughs> offend, whatever the opposite of an offender is. Uh -huh. He's like Mango from SNL, but not insane. And I say that mm. reference as in like that character, like men yeah, and women were always attracted spell over everyone. Yes, yeah, you, like you didn't know, true. and it didn't didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and as I was saying, I think I shook his hand 25 to 35 times uh, in the lobby just because I suddenly became very self-conscious. Anyway. Yeah. And you wanted him to know, like, I appreciate you and I yes. respect you professionally. Yes. There is a very which I do. Up handshake. Which I do. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Let, me, let me overstate that. And he's very nice. Lovely. A very, lovely very so sweet. Lovely, yeah. smart, cool, fun guy. Yes. Blake Mitchell, thank you for being here. And thank you guys for listening. And yes. thank you, Dana. And thank you, Ryan. And thank you, everybody at Earwolf. Thank, thank you, Matt. Ben, I almost said thank you, Ben Platt, for the music. Thank you, Ben Platt, for the music. But also, <laughs> thank, you. also thank you, Ben Wise, for the music. <laughs> oh, thank you, listener. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Oh, Blue Chew. Blue Chew, Blue Chew, Blue Chew. Mm -hmm. It's the, the first chewable with FDA-approved active ingredients to enhance your performance in the bedroom. That's right. And it is not just for guys with dysfunction. It's for any guy who wants to get extra confidence in bed. Who is like, I have enough confidence in bed? Nobody. Who's like, I want less confidence in bed? Maybe our guest this week, but nobody else. <laughs> That's actually maybe true. Blue Chew is prescribed online and it ships straight to your door. So is it blow up? So sorry. It's Okay. What were you going to say, I Dave? don't really know. Were you going to say to visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use promo code HOMO? You read my mind. God. I was going to add that you only have to pay $5 shipping. What? Yep. B-L-U-E chew, like chew, dot com. Promo code HOMO. Try it. F-R-E-E -E free. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point, and we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nuts. <laughs> 
Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Jesus! I mean, Jazos! (laughs) Ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season 3 of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.